have to learn your cliches. You're gonna have to study them. You're gonna have to know them. Well, you know, you go out there and you give 110% and you want to play good and, you know, you hope you play good. I think we play pretty good tonight. Well, you know, there's no I in the word team, and this is a team effort. 10-5, touchdown. Oh, man, you know, you just got to play one game at a time and go out there and give 110%. All right! Play ball. Happy belated Canada Day and happy, well, almost Independence Day, I guess it's a day later. And thanks for downloading the third episode of Scoring at the Movies, the podcast that hits the airwaves once every two weeks with a sprightly look back at sports movies from our youth. Careful listeners, son. Listener, son. We are the spoiling types. I'm the poor kid from Reseda who spends a lot of time with older men, Ryan Ellis. And here's my sensei and very reserved father figure with macho humor, Chris DiGregorio. I really wish you had told me you were going to do that. I would have really practiced my stereotypical Japanese-American accent, but I don't think I'm going to go there. Mr. Miyagi? Mr. Miyagi. Miyagi. Yeah. By the way, he says Mr. Miyagi after he's known him for... Months, or at least many weeks. Yeah, it's not like it's the first time he's met him. The mm. guy's clearly not paid much attention. And that's played off later when it's Miyagi-Do Karate at the very end. It's no, Miyagi. Miyagi, Miyagi-Do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so before we get into the Karate Kid. Karate. See, see Boogie Nights for that reference. Karate. Some Tin Cup editions two weeks ago. Chris seems to be right that Rene Russo isn't actually saying, I love you, after Roy's amazing shot. Oh, I was? It does look like it was dubbed in post. I think you're right about that. Nice. I looked it up. She is on camera when the line is actually said, but if you look closely, her mouth doesn't seem to be saying, I love you. No, she's, you are correct. she looks like she's just yelling mm-hmm. in happiness. Right? Before it, she goes, ah, yeah, exactly. and the line and is, I love you. I, I, love think you. Says, I think she says, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so you were correct on that note, I think. Put it up on the big board. One for Chris. <laughs> Ding! Also, another guy likely won the tournament, not David Sims, because Sims' decision to lay up on the 18th hole meant he couldn't beat the other guy. That's what it says on Wikipedia. I looked that up. Oh, really? Because the other guy was tied with Roy before Tin Cup's 12-shot extravaganza. So Roy could have won. Sims could have. But once he oh, laid up, they that. say on Wikipedia he couldn't after he laid up. So Sims was going for second regardless. Oh, so they're really playing up the safe shot, mm-hmm. get that second place money, don't go for the win kind of mm-hmm. mentality that he and was selling. And Mr. Okay. Mr. Miyagi almost said, Romeo even says, and Sims will always be second, <laughs> right, at the end of the tournament. What a great movie that Karate Kid would have been if Mr. Miyagi... Got Daniel to just lay up in the last... Which, I mean, I guess he probably should have, knowing that he had broken His advice was to lay up. He already proved point. Yeah. No need fight anymore. (laughs) How many times are we likely to look forward to the Mr. Miyagi impression during the course of this podcast? 70%. (laughs) All right. Perfect. I want to make sure we covered that baseline 70% at least, because that's our quota. One more thing about Tin Cup before we get into Karate Kid. I didn't realize, neither of us realized, that we were posting that the week after, I guess it was, the U.S. Open itself, and that movie's all yeah. about the U.S. Open. You know, neither one of us has enough forethought or planning. To... <laughs> I try to with these kinds of things, but more so for holidays or that kind of thing. Events, yeah. releases of other movies, a 30-year anniversary, for example. Jurassic Park, the Bev and I did, was released around 30 years later. No, 25 years later. It really tells the lie of my golf fandom that I didn't even clue into the <laughs> fact that the... U.S. Open was about to tee off when we were recording that. One more note before we get going is that we're on the road, or at least I'm on the road, at Chris's house. If you hear ambient noise, it's his wife and my wife upstairs, and cats, and potential other guests. Yes, we're in Casa del Chris, in the luxurious... <laughs> the confines? Lu- the confines, that's, that's a better way to put it, of the basement here, so let's see how that goes. Okay, so, the Empty Hand 22-year-old, think about that for a second was released by Columbia Pictures in June 1984 to very good reviews, actually. It made many killings, $90 million, in fact, and it was the fifth biggest hit of 1984. That was a big summer. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Star Trek Three, Ghostbusters, Gremlins, and Karate Kid all came out within a month of each other. That many? Mm-hmm. I knew Temple of Doom came out very close to Karate Kid. I didn't know the other three. That was five, actually. No, I mean the additional three. Oh, I mean, okay. Karate Kid, Temple of Doom, yeah. but Star what Trek. What a summer, huh? That's huge. That's June and into July. No, I think it was May into June. An entire year, that would be huge. Never mind right. a few months. So in a nutshell, aging war veteran suckers bullying victim into doing his chores for him. <laughs> wax on, wax off. That's pretty good. I don't know if I can compete with that. Before we started this, I proposed to Ryan that we duel taglines, nutshell, synopsis, whatever. I thought I had a pretty good one, but uh, you stole my thunder with your empty hand reference Mm. off the top there. My uh, synopsis was going to be 22-year-old high school sophomore moves to California to try out for a soccer team, but comes up empty-handed. Oh, nice. 
I never thought of that before. He wants to play soccer. He's really good at it. Doesn't make the team because he starts fighting with one of the yeah. Cobra Kai guys. But what's that sport all about? Not using your hands. Karate means right. empty hand. It's ironic, isn't mm. it? Obviously, this is supposed to be our sports movie nostalgia podcast or however you want to define it. I was thinking to myself at first, yeah, we're stretching the limits a little bit on the sports movie thing. With We're going to stretch it more. We'll stretch we'll it. We'll do a poker movie at some point. Oh, That's really stretching. That it. is to the boundaries, yeah. But this is a legit sports movie. It's just not a karate sports movie. It's a soccer movie. There's <laughs> so much soccer in this. Yeah, early in, on, especially. In nineteen eighty four, in America? Did anybody play soccer? The Italians did, and he is Italian. He is Italian, all. yeah, yeah. Hey, Daniel LaRusso. Uh. <laughs> Uncle Louie. Hey. <laughs> I like that, by the way, when they're leaving New Jersey at the beginning, Daniel does say to the other kids, I'll be back soon, don't worry about it. Don't worry Presumably about it. Presumably in this series, in this character, he never goes back to live there because he becomes friends with Miyagi. He has, well, he doesn't keep Allie, the Elizabeth Shue character, as a girlfriend, but he stays in California the rest of his life by the looks of it, and yet he does say, I'll be back. So he's just lying to his friends at that point. Well, he doesn't want to leave there, and he doesn't <laughs> want to stay in California, so he's not lying so much. Well, by the way, his mother, Lucille, is going out to California for a job in computers, but then we see her waiting tables. Yeah, I was confused by that. Because she says she's a hostess, apparently, too. I didn't hear that. It's online. It says something about that. You're right. She goes out, and he says to his buddy, was it Freddy, the guy he meets mm -hmm. off the top, that she came out west to work for Rocket Computers or something. It's an up-and-coming computer company, he says. And then you're right. Later on, she's a hostess at the Orient Express, and she's waxing poetic about all the great benefits that they have. And I'm thinking, Really? Some small Asian restaurant in California somewhere in the 80s has better benefits than a large, presumably anyway, mm -hmm. large computer company, which I found a little bit weird. She's in the management program, she says. Yeah. I never really quite understood what happened to get from point A computer company to point B hostess at a restaurant, but... She's a very positive person, and I think maybe she's spinning this for herself as much as she's spinning it for Daniel. Yeah, that's very true. She is the most positive mother figure I can remember seeing in a movie in a very, very long And pretty long oblivious time. a lot yeah. of the time, too. Yeah. Well, Freddie, you mentioned the first friend that Daniel makes. Doesn't keep him, though, because his friends, at least. Where'd you get this guy? And then we never see those two palling around again. But Freddie strong arms his way into being Daniel's friend right off the bat. When Literally. Daniel kicks open the door. <laughs> yeah, a little karate foreshadowing but there. But then Freddie bails when his friends bully him, basically. No, you can't be friends with this punk. Who's guy's ass handed to him by a karate, yeah. basically, expert. Not his fault. And by the way, Allie, she hits Johnny harder in that beach scene than Daniel ever does, including in the karate tournament. Yeah, she's much bigger than he is, right? True. Let's not lose sight of that. Elizabeth Shue... Not a fat comment. She's bigger just, than Daniel LaRusso. <laughs> yeah, it's not a comment on her size so much as it is as a comment on Ralph Macchio's size, because he is a small, small man. And he was 22 going on 23 in this movie. So came was out. she. She was the same age, roughly, mm. right? She was, but, I mean, he was 21 or 22. But he's mostly grown yet. He does look like he's a karate kid. Oh, yeah. The most uncomfortable scene of the movie for me, I think, was the costume party scene where he's dressed up as a shower. Mm -hmm. She goes, knock, knock, I need some water or something. And she jumps into the shower costume with him. And just that close, face to face, and kind of a romantic type scene it looked to me like a college aged woman which is what she was right making the moves on a 12 year old boy which is not what ralph macchio was but it's what daniel looked like in this movie mm. so that was a little bit chill inducing as skinny as he is and as young as he looks in this movie and even now kind of looks young for that matter even he though he's great now i'm he's, jealous of him now. and for many years has been older at this point than Pat Morita was when he played Mr. Miyagi. Kind of like Mark Hamill, when he did Force Awakens, was older than Alec Guinness was when he played the similar kind of character That's in the original true. Star Wars movies. It's funny how these younger people play the same effective character, and yet they are younger, or sorry, they're older, I should say, than the one, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, you get the point. Yeah, I was thinking about that while I was watching the movie, actually. Not knowing Pat Morita's exact age, but... I knew that Mr. Miyagi, who was played up as an old man in the movie, mm -hmm. right? And they even talk at one point when they're reading the note about his wife and newborn child passing away. 1944. So even assuming that Mr. Miyagi got married super young and had a kid right off the bat, and then he goes out to war, they're saying he's born in 1924, maybe-ish, right? Yeah, maybe, so he's getting close to 80. No, 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 no. Because this movie was set in 1984. I mean, sorry, 60. Close to 60. We found out the last couple of weeks I'm bad at math. We did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Miyagi is played older than Pat Morita. Because Pat Morita at this point would have probably been his mid-50s, maybe. That's about it, yeah. yeah maybe so younger. He's playing older and Daniel's playing younger. Both pretty successfully, I think, for the most part. Morita is really short. And Machio, actually, for a guy who's so small, isn't that short. He's taller than I am. Shorter than you. He's about 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, but he's he otherwise looks like a punk. Or yep. a little kid, at least. Back to that scene where he karate kicks the door when they first arrive in California. 
You see the cantankerous old lady by the pool yep. telling him to go back to New Jersey and all that because it sucks here. Did you recognize that woman? I've seen her in other movies, and her name is Frances Bay or something. She's... I have no idea what her name is. I just recognize her from one role in particular, and that is the grandmother in Happy Gilmore. Oh, really? We talked about Happy Gilmore last week on Tin Cup? I think we got to do that movie sometime, because there's so many references that come up to it. But I remember her, in particular, when he drops, Happy Gilmore, that is, drops her off at the nursing home after she loses her house. Ben Stiller plays the orderly, who's all nicey-nicey right. to Adam Sandler, but as soon as Adam leaves, he lays down the law on poor old grandma, and her only reaction to that is, Oh, dear. That's I love that character. She's remember, a great actress. I remember her now, yeah. She okay. plays cranky and cantankerous very well. She's done similar things in other movies. But much like Freddy, we don't see her again after her point of the movie is out. We see Freddy a couple no. times, but never again after he's told, you can't be friends with that guy. Yeah. And one of those kids that may be Freddy, or I think it's one of his friends, that named Daniel the Karate Kid. Yeah, presumably because Freddy told them about the karate kick to the door that took him out when they first met. That is the titular naming right there. Mm. And by the way, in that beach scene where he's named the Karate Kid... The dirt bike dirt bags, as I'm calling them, Johnny and his team. Johnny passes on a suggestion to drink beer when we first meet all of them. But then later, in the scene where he gets watered by Daniel at the Halloween party, he's rolling a joint. Yeah. His whole thing, I think, is I'm going to take school seriously this year and, of course, my karate, too. But then later on, I'll do something that's actually illegal. I didn't know if the implication was that he was selling drugs to kids at the party and that was a way to make money or whether he was smoking it with his buddies or what, but... Mostly, I was just distracted by the fact that during that whole washroom scene, it was the slowest joint rolling yeah. I've ever witnessed. Not that I would know how to do it at all myself, but, I mean, goddamn, that guy was already in the stall mm -hmm. when his buddy busted in. Daniel slowly snakes Very that. Very slowly. Water thing. And slowly puts that hose in there. <laughs> you pour water with it. You <laughs> scoop food with it. A spoon? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, my satiety knows no rapacity, Ryan. Nicely done. Yeah, it was the slowest joint rolling I've ever seen in history, and man, that must have been a hell of a dude when it was all said and done. Better be. Do you have any memories from that time period? You know, he's listening to his Walkman with the shitty, shitty over-ear headphones yeah, that okay. he was wearing. I remember as a kid with my first Walkman and those headphones that sat on top of your ear. They weren't over-ear headphones in the way that we have now, and they weren't earbuds, obviously. This had that, like, puffy styrofoamy things. They just kind of rested outside your mm -hmm. ear. Anyone could hear what you were listening to. Anyone could hear what you were listening to. You could hear everything outside. It was just the worst sound and the worst experience. They would always slip off your ear if you moved at all. It was just horrific. And when I saw that and I saw him lift it off the ear, it was part nostalgia and part cringe. Oh, I'm very happy that audio's come as far as it has. Maybe not that song, but a lot of the songs in this movie are very cringe-inducing, including You're the Best Around, the highly repetitive... You're the best. Over and over and over. I think that was supposed to have been in Rocky so. Three, and they end up going with the Survivor song, Eye of the Tiger, which, of course, everyone knows. Good choice, good choice. Better anyway. Yeah. But that song, what's the other one I have here? It's called Moment of Truth. I think that's in the end credits. Anyway, Moment of Truth. Okay. Both lame 80s-type songs. Some 80s songs are great, and I really enjoy them. Those two do not really stand out. So we talked about soccer a little bit off the top, and you talked about the beach scene. So the scene when Daniel actually meets Allie for the first time, when he and the boys are like horsing around on the beach, it's the party that Freddie invited him to originally, yep. right? Mm -hmm. I couldn't really figure out what they were trying to do with that soccer ball exactly. One of them kicked it towards the girls, and then the four guys, five guys, just kind of stand on top of the girls kicking sand and the ball, just accomplishing nothing except apparently pissing off everyone around them. And it struck me like a bunch of 14 or 15-year-old kids trying to get the attention of the girls next to them. That's what it was. They weren't playing the game properly. They weren't playing sure. the game, that's for sure. It was just a lot of sand kicking. I feel like that's what soccer is anyway, a very pointless exercise of running yeah. around and it's a lot never of scoring. Well, yeah, I mean, for non-soccer fans... Even like though as we record true. this, the World Cup is happening... It'll be done, I think, by the time this gets posted, I guess. I don't know how long the World Cup is, but people are obsessed with that sport. It's a good sport. No, it's I, not. I, never right, cared about I soccer. tried. I tried. We might do soccer at some point, because there are some soccer movies I can't even think of one. Kicking and Screaming by Will Ferrell is all I can think of off the top of my head. Oh, Bend It Like Beckham. There you go. Maybe that one. But not yeah. a childhood movie, though. They're both more recent, aren't they? Yeah. Invictus? Also recent. That's rugby, sir. Oh, it is rugby. Damn and it. Very recent, yeah. All uh, right. Fair enough. And one last, not to belabor the beach scene, Ryan, but did you see Freddy's shirt in that scene? No. The yellow shirt with the collar that has got to be like a good four inches wide. <laughs> it was spectacular. I had to rewind the scene several times just to look at that shirt. It's most notable when his buddies are going, like, where'd you find this guy? 
and Freddy's just standing there, dope face, ashamed of himself for having brought Daniel. The poor bugger just got his ass kicked by like a black belt karate expert. And everybody knows he's a karate expert yeah. because he wears his Cobra Kai jacket all the time. And yet somehow the fact that he beat up a kid half his size and way less skilled is shameful. Mm-hmm. I kind of quickly forgot about all that and just focused on Freddy's shirt, which is worth <laughs> watching in and of itself. I suggest you go back and take a look at that. Well, the movie does forget about Freddy. That's for sure. And then we go into the first day of school. Yeah. Bev and I had that same scenario recently in Greece where the movie is a first day of school type thing. And then as we play it through the school year, I guess, in both cases, Greece ends at the end of the school year. One thing, did you notice this? Miyagi is friends with Daniel long before the karate training starts when, of course, the bullies are beating Daniel up again and then yep. Miyagi saves him. That's Halloween and there's still been no karate until Daniel sees, he didn't even know it's him really, but he sees Miyagi saving everyone. That's not, of course, Pat Maria. That's a stunt double. Right. Same guy who's doing the kicking on the log. And oh, the, the crane kick beach, uh, yeah. on the beach. And apparently he's the guy who's in the semifinals on the other side of it who gets his ass beat by Johnny. Oh, the guy in the white... Asian guy. Aikido or mm. whatever it is. Yeah, okay. okay. So I guess that's him, although he doesn't look the same size. I guess you can manipulate the camera to right, make, they had it, to, make it close He must have been wearing padding because Presumably. Pat is heavier. He's a little fatter yeah. than the younger guy is. And also, is Daniel the first kid Miyagi ever took under his wing? He's been in America for decades and he's never decided to mentor a kid like this. He obviously wants to have some kind of child figure in his life and he's got a little friend out of it. I think the implication is supposed to be that Mr. Miyagi suffered this horrible tragedy very young in life while he was serving his country. Thereafter, was so scarred by it that he left a, or led a life of seclusion, I guess, and just sort of kept to himself, pruned his bonsai trees. And, and all that. these great cars somewhere else, yet he's being yeah. a janitor. Oh, that was a great line, down building. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, listen, I guess the cars were cheap. I took it that he fixed those cars up. Otherwise, I don't know how he affords them. But it was a great line when Daniel asks... Where are all these cars from? Detroit! <laughs> I mean, Mr. Miyagi had a few great lines in that movie. Not everything is as seem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When they get to his other place. Yeah. His country home. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned that it took a long time to get to the actual karate. Suspiciously long time, in fact. But one of the first questions that Daniel asks Mr. Miyagi after he discovers that he has this ability, right? Because he doesn't find out until Mr. Miyagi kicks those five kids' ass and balls. One of them, mm-hmm. repeatedly. Yep. That was quite a painful scene to watch. <laughs> Karate kick to the nuts! <laughs> anyway, one of the first questions that Daniel asks Mr. Miyagi is, what belt do you have? And his response to that is, oh, you like it? It's from JCPenney. Yeah. Canvas, JCPenney, <laughs> 389 or whatever it is, which I thought was also really cute. And then he says something else about in Hokkaido, or where's he from, Okinawa? That's uh, not actually Japan, I guess, is it? Because he says, China here, Japan here, yeah. Okinawa here, and he points south of where Japan is. I thought Okinawa was part of Japan. I think though. it is. I think it's in the, maybe it's in the south part of the country. I maybe get... identifying, okay, here's the country, but here's yeah, the part of the country. Exactly. So I thought that was a really cute little comment, you know, in Okinawa, having a belt means you don't need a piece of rope to hold your pants up. Another play at the end, too, is when he steals a black belt when they're signing Daniel in. That's right. Also very cute. I quite enjoyed, actually, the fact that Mr. Miyagi tells Daniel that fighting is fighting and you're always scared. That is a message that is very much lost these days. You know, you see movies where people train to fight and there's always the implication that you get to a certain stage of ability or familiarity that it's no longer scary. But even as good as Mr. Miyagi is, as much as he's seen being a war veteran and through World War II... The notion of a fight still scares him. It's a wise thing to tell a young child. You don't want them to believe that they can just go and kick ass now. That's what the other guys are being taught, the Cobra Kai guys. Strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Just like the Hawks a couple of weeks ago, or several weeks ago now, we did Mighty Ducks. The bad guys wear black in that, they wear black in this, and they're also taught the same thing. Go for the throat, go for the jugular. And in this movie, like you just said, they're taught not to be afraid. No humility is really, I think, what it comes down to. Humility? Kreese, the guy who runs Cobra Kai, Martin Cove, doesn't have humility. But then he's also a war veteran. He's from Vietnam. They show a picture yeah. of that. And that plays out more in the sequels. He's in the other two sequels. Oh, is he? There have been, I don't know how many Karate Kid movies. I guess five. The three with two his main Let's characters. Too many. The next Karate Kid, which I don't think I've ever seen. That's Hilary Swank. And then, of course, the remake, which I was going to watch. It's on Netflix, but yeah. I didn't want to spend two hours and 20 minutes but, watching Nepotism Smith. So. Yeah, you don't want to see Jaden in all his glory? All right. But anyway, Kreese's character plays out. We see in the beginning of the second movie where Miyagi kicks his ass. Or actually, he doesn't really kick his ass. He lets him kick his own ass by punching out windows. Yeah. Because he just moves out of the way. And then the third movie, he's the villain full stop again when Daniel has to defend his title. I think it's supposed to be a year, maybe two years later. Kreese won't let this go. That's kind of what's, I guess, played out in the new Cobra Kai series on YouTube Red. Where even though at the end of this movie you hear Johnny say, You're all right, LaRusso. Hey, thanks a lot. 
You kicked me in the face, so now everything's okay. But you won the tra- He respects him, obviously, because as Miyagi says, no need fight anymore. You prove point. <laughs> Which maybe he hadn't at that point, but by winning, he did prove a point, at least to Johnny. But at the beginning of number two, Johnny's saying, I did my best. What's the problem here? And then Chris is going to kick his ass. Well, that's kind of the way, apparently, I've never seen the series that Johnny goes now in Cobra Kai. He and Daniel renew their rivalry. Really? And I'm assuming it's on Johnny's part, because why would Daniel have a problem with him now? It's true. Have you read the part, by the way? Daniel is the real bully. He's always going after Johnny. He attacks Johnny, and Johnny just trips him, and then, of course, he does end up hitting him. Yeah. And yes, Johnny, in the clinical way, the obvious way, is the bully of this movie, and he's one of the textbook bullies in the history of movies. But people have analyzed that, and I can't remember all the details right now, that really Daniel's the bad guy. He sneaks into something, maybe not sneaks, but he gets into something that he has never really done before. All these other guys have worked at it for years, and they're great at it. And this upstart takes them down, which is the underdog story. That's the Rocky story. This is the yeah. same director who did Rocky, John G. Abelson. And a very similar story. It's almost the exact same thing, really. But a lot of people have pointed that out, and I've never heard this until more recently, that Daniel, in some ways, is the bad guy, even though the ultimate bad guy for young kid bullying would probably be Johnny Lawrence in this film. That struck me as the case throughout the movie, actually, to a certain degree, is that Daniel's a bit of a dick right from the get-go. I assumed that part of that was the writers playing up the teenage boy who's been displaced from his home, and so he's angry and he's acting out. So you have to give him some credit for that, because I think that's probably very true if, if you put a kid in that circumstance. He's been picked on to a certain degree, too, but he behaves badly towards Johnny and that group of characters every time they encounter them. He behaves badly more often than not towards Ali. He behaves badly towards his mother, basically to everybody that isn't Mr. Miyagi. He kind of lashes out at repeatedly, so it's understandable that a lot of them would not necessarily see him in the greatest light. And you could view him as a bit of a villain in this movie. And you mentioned that tripping scene, that soccer tryout when he first goes to school and he ends up in a fight, so he gets kicked off the team. That was a hilarious little moment, too, with the background characters. Was it Johnny that tripped Daniel? I guess it had to have been, right? I think it was Dutch, who's Chad McQueen, Steve McQueen's son. Oh, really? Or it may have been the guy who later on says, Get him a body bag! Yeah! (laughs) Because Bobby is the one guy in the Cobra Kai group who's not as bad a guy. He's part of that, and he does take part in some of it, but he's the one that says, he's had enough, Johnny. Yeah. I'll tell you when he's had enough. And at the end, when he's told to sweep the leg, and he hurts Daniel, no, right sweep, away, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. He's told to take him out. All oh, right, sweep the leg is what sweep the leg Johnny's Johnny, told to do, yeah. right, because it's already been injured. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it. Yeah, Bobby was the one guy that had half a conscience, right. that's true. But, Dutch but he still got his and, ass kicked by Miyagi, nonetheless, that's in, that, true. in that five-on-one scene. Because he was part of it. Yeah. But Dutch and the guy who says, get him a body bag, are always bad right to the very end, and I think they're as bad, if not worse, than Johnny. No, they're all assholes. And it may not be okay, but Johnny's also pissed that this young punk is taking his girlfriend, which is not his girlfriend anymore. They broke up. Ali and Johnny were broke up anyway. High school love, Ryan. (laughs) Yeah, it's still that Daniel's in the right more, even though he's a bit of a prick. But anyway. They're all kind of assholes to one another. They're teenagers. They're teenagers. And again, I'm not sure if it was Johnny. I can't remember who it was exactly, to be honest with you, that actually tripped Daniel with that great line, enjoy your trip, right, as he's doing it. Daniel jumps at him, throws a punch. Nobody hits me in the face, or nobody hits me, I'm going to tear your face off. And then they get into it. There's two guys that are kind of holding back the aggressor. The coach kicks Daniel off the field, so he walks out. And two great things about that. At one point, both of those people let go of the guy that's trying to go after Daniel. And you see him turn around and look back like, guys, I said, hold me back. Come on, hold me back. <laughs> it's almost like your dog, Fox, and he's trying to get yes. in the fight. He's like, hold me back. Hold me. Why aren't you holding me back? He's like, hold me back. I don't want to actually fight. And then one of the guys puts his arms back around his waist again. So he's like, all right, good, good. Yeah, yeah, you better run, kid. Right? So there's that. And then as Daniel's walking off the field, all shamefaced and pissed off, there's one unnamed guy in the background, some shirtless dude that was playing soccer with them, and he's making faces at Daniel, just like, meh, meh, meh. And you, I mean, this is great for podcasting, right? Making <laughs> visual faces, but it's worth looking at because he's making the most ridiculous, sucky faces at him as he's walking off the field. And so I kind of respect whatever like extra or actor that was that got cast in this little role in the background really gave it 110% mm. in conveying... The disdain that this guy held for Daniel. Being the way the kids can be, too. Teenagers. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. Well, that's one thing about the movie I noticed, too. That's the kind of scene that plays out. Certainly when the bike... The stupid bike! Hey, this bike! <laughs> he is trying everything he can do not to swear when he's mad at that bike. And I wonder stupid if this bike. movie had some Fs. Well, I'll say fuck. It had a lot of fucks and shits that were cut out because there's a few scenes that I didn't think were blatantly obvious. I never really picked up on this before, and I've seen this movie so many times. But that scene especially feels like he was saying fuck, and then they dubbed it later. Because you can't see his mouth moving. It's in the dark, and he's at a bit of a distance. 
the way the dialogue played against the actual action of the scene didn't seem to line up exactly, almost as if they mm. listened to it and thought, oh, shit, you know what, this isn't going to fly in a PG we, whatever meeting. We movie. can get a PG if we cut out the language. Yeah, so let's cut it out and say, oh, stupid bike, hate this bike, and then as he tosses it in the dumpster. I also love the fact that his mother just, what about your bike? No, no, it's safer to take the bus. All right, I bought you that bike, but we'll just leave it in the dumpster. It's cool. That's all right, Johnny. Or Daniel, rather. Oh, it's all right, Daniel. Miyagi fixes a form, and then, of course, they meet doing the trees thing. Crow's eye, he says to him, and envisions what he's going to do with the tree when he cuts it, the yeah. bonsai tree. And, of course, later on, when he fixes the knee after Bobby kicks it, yes. he says the same thing. Crow's eye, and then the boom with the music. I love that moment where he slams his hand together, and then that music. Bill Conti again, same guy did Rocky. So what did you think about Miyagi's treatment of Daniel? The wax on, wax off, the painting, the sanding. Was that his chores. I was going to say, was that all really strictly necessary for the training? Or was it just because Mr. Miyagi had a lot of housework that was left and he just like... Uh, you know, a little of just, each. Yeah, a little but each. you know what he's really doing, obviously. It's not something we maybe called back then. Maybe we did. I don't know. But this is a more common phrase now. He's teaching him muscle memory. That becomes obvious later when he's telling him to do wax on, wax off, right? And, and he takes a big stand risk. up and do it. Right? He yeah. takes a big risk there because when he actually attacks him, what if Daniel wasn't ready to actually block the shots? <laughs> Especially when he does a few punches and then does a few kicks and then it's the whole combination of things. And Daniel blocks all of it. But what if he didn't? You'd really hurt this kid. Does anybody know that Daniel is training with Mr. Miyagi while he's doing this? I don't think the mother has explicitly told on screen that, hey, Mr. Miyagi's teaching me karate, right? We can assume, I think, that he must be, because he goes with him a lot. He's gone for the whole day, especially when he's painting his house and waxing his cars. That's true. And sanding the floor. Sand the floor! But if this is a single mom moving to a new city, working a new job, especially at a restaurant, I don't know what kind of hours she's working. Maybe she's not home. Maybe she doesn't know that Daniel's gone. So if he shows up with a whole bunch of bruises on his face because he didn't successfully block Mr. Miyagi's punch... Who beat you up now? The guy I actually like. It's the old Asian man. (laughs) Daniel, who really beat you up? No, I swear, Mr. Miyagi! The janitor! He's really black belt <laughs> there's a line by the way that Miyagi says I never picked up him before and there's a movie on Netflix what's it called but something along this line if you want revenge start by digging two graves meaning you're going to wow. bury yourself if you want revenge that's a proverb I never picked up on him saying that before when did he say that I didn't get that either I think it's when he's telling Miyagi about the bullies oh. he wants revenge on them that's one thing we talked about how Daniel maybe is the villain because he does want revenge too Johnny is a bad guy, but doesn't really want revenge so much. Miyagi is definitely my favorite character in the movie. He sure. has so many great lines. Mm-hmm. I had questions about him as a character. It's pretty clear that he was raised in Japan and obviously came to America at some point relatively early in his life. To have been put in the army. Or... That was my question. He's a soldier, so... Was he a soldier for the American army? Yeah. As a Japanese... He's a decorated soldier, and he's got... not the Medal of Honor. Maybe it's the Medal. Anyway... Medal of Valor, I think they Something that you don't get unless you did incredible things. And yet, they wanted to cut the scene out. The producers did, because they thought that slowed the movie down. And yet, Avildsen, the director, thought that maybe that scene where he plays drunk, and he passes out, and Daniel reads all these things and finds out what his friend's really all about, what happened to him, is what got him the Oscar nomination. That's what Avildsen thinks. And there is a lot of detail in that scene about how this guy, as a kid, as we've been saying, lost his wife and his son in an internment camp while this guy's fighting for this fucking country that's interning his family. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was a great scene, and I had no idea, to be honest with you, that Japanese-American immigrants at that time would be allowed to serve in the army yeah. because of things like the internment camps that were happening in North America. And he is from Okinawa. Canada as well. He's so. definitely from Okinawa because in definitely. Well, they, two, they go that. back there. Yeah. It's not like he's a Japanese-American born in America. He's a Japanese person who came to America. Yeah. I really like that scene more as the years have gone because it is a slowed down moment. But then movies that really stick with you, it's moments like this to make them stick as much as anything. And the very next scene after Daniel reads all this stuff and Miyagi's passed out and obviously falls asleep for the night, you see Daniel on the canoe by himself. I don't know how he got out there and stood on the prow of this thing and not tip it over, but he's doing the balance exercises. Yeah. And then you see him trying the crane kick on that stump by himself. So it's like, I'm motivated now. I already was. Rocky always had to be motivated. So yeah. again, John G. Avildsen, the Rocky director. Do it for Miyagi. It was a great scene, and I enjoyed it very much now. I don't remember it at all from watching it as a younger kid, but it really highlighted for me how little backstory we get for the other protagonists in the movie, mm-hmm. right? We know nothing about Daniel, effectively, except that he's from Jersey. Mm-hmm. We know nothing. We don't know anything about his father. We don't know anything yeah, about right. his life at all. And so when you start the movie and you see all the kids running after the car, by Daniel, by Daniel, there's an implication that he's got a you know, relatively happy life. He's got friends. People are going to miss him. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, understood a little bit more about what compelled his mother to move them to California, 
aside from the implication that jobs were scarce in New York, or the Jersey area anyway, and that cost of living was high, his struggles felt a little bit more hollow not having that, you mm. know what I mean, when he gets to California. Maybe they were tempted to put in the whole thing where the father was recently dead, or well, why they'd run away, I don't know that, so maybe he was alive but an abuser. But then it doesn't seem that way. Not even run away. Just give me something that gives me a little bit more basis for the characters. Let me understand them a little bit better so that the... The movie's two hours, too. A little over two hours. Yeah, it's not like it's lacking for runtime. There's a lot of scenes I think they could have done away with instead done that, right? Like some of the bullying scenes with the kids. We got the point. Even some of the romance with Ali, even though Elizabeth Shue is a good match for him. Well, then again, there's such a strange match. Not just because she's literally, seems like she's bigger than him, or maybe his height, but she's just broader than he is. But she's blonde and he's dark haired and he's skinny as we said, and she's not, you know what I'm trying to say. She's not in any way fat, but... curvaceous woman. Yeah, in a great way. Actually, that probably oversells her size. She's not, yeah, you know what you're saying. She looks like she could take him is what it comes down to. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, she beats on Johnny pretty strongly. Let me get your impression on this. Since you brought up the romance between Allie and Daniel... Their first true date, right? When Daniel's mother picks... Golf and stuff. Golf and stuff, yeah. It's a montage scene, right? You start out playing a little bit of mini golf. They're playing some table Every sports hockey. movie needs a montage. Yeah. It was exactly like the Mentos commercials of the 90s. I don't know if you got that. No, I didn't pick up on that. But yeah, no. maybe that's why oh, I was doing it the way in the 90s with the Mentos commercials. I don't even know what song it is that's playing in the background. Another kind of terrible montage song for this movie. But that's playing in the background. It's just shot after shot of one thing happening, right? Like a putt going in or scoring a goal in the table. And laughing. And then you see the smiling faces and I was just waiting for Daniel to pop out the Mentos pack and like <laughs> flip one into his mouth as it was happening. <laughs> Those two have pretty good chemistry. I don't know if they really belong together even at one point. Miyagi says, look good together. Different but same. No, different but different. <laughs> but of course they're not together in the sequel and it's supposed to be that she's gone to college and she's found another boyfriend, which is not surprising. It's not a reflection on her. That's what happens almost always. You never stay oh, yeah. at a high school sweetheart. High school romance, I mean, yeah. And yeah. then Daniel's with a Japanese girl in that movie because they go to Japan. But the romance is fine. I don't have any problem with it. And they both play it off pretty well. She doesn't really contribute much during the actual tournament. All she's ever doing is saying, be strong, be tough. Was that her? She's encouraging, yeah. She's encouraging, but... Oh, I thought that was his mother yelling that. No, because you hear that before the mother's shown up to the oh. later part of the tournament. Okay. I thought that happened during the final match when he's bouncing on his one leg and somebody's yelling, be strong. Not, sir. Really? Be strong, Daniel, be strong. Okay. You're really not offering much there. But we could have cut some of those scenes down, I think. You get the point out they're cute and stuff. But anyway, it's not a problem. It's just that we maybe have a little bit more than we need of those two. And you're right, yeah. not, a lot, not enough backstory of I think that's really all about. That's got to be indicative of the time in which this movie's made. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in this era, say let's 80s through mid-90s or so, there was a real emphasis on those high school romances, hammering home the the high school relationships, be it bully or romantic interest. John Hughes' time frame right around this point. Exactly, right? So there wasn't a lot of emphasis placed on understanding the characters so much. It was more so understanding what they were going through in that moment. Whatever happened before or after is less important. Let's not think about that. Yeah. Well, again, Rocky, we don't learn that much about him. Certainly the first movie, from before at least. No, that's very true, and I strongly suspect as we go through different movies, it'll probably be a recurring theme, at least fairly for movies. Fairly shallow characterization. Yeah, fairly shallow, yeah. and let's just enjoy the triumph of the moment. Right? right. So the tournament that he gets into is on December 19th, a week before Christmas. So that's nice. All these guys can have black eyes and sore bones <laughs> as they open their presents. And take the beautiful later. family photos. Mm-hmm. What did you think about that scene, by the way, speaking of the tournament, when Mr. Miyagi goes to challenge, well, not so much challenge, but sort of worn off Sensei Kis? Is Kreese. Kreese, right, thank you. Leave the boy alone. One-on-one's fine. Five-on-one, not so much. Mm-hmm. He walks into the dojo, and Kreese walks up and says, Four up behind me! We have visitors! And you see Johnny just walk up behind him and strike the most ridiculous attempt at an intimidating posture, I yeah. suppose. Just start flexing it for all he's worth. And I don't know how much that would intimidate anybody, never, like, <laughs> never mind Mr. Miyagi. But Miyagi says, back off. And Kreese says, well, we got to settle this one way or the other. Like, you can't walk in here and throw down a challenge mm-hmm. and not fight. Which, is again, is a great little moment that really shows the differences between Kreese and Miyagi from like an ethos perspective, right? Kreese has to have it settled. you got to be number one or you're nothing. Whereas mm-hmm. Miyagi's just like, leave me alone, man. He says, all right, tournament. And you just kind of like scroll up and there's the tournament poster mm-hmm. right above Miyagi's head. And Kreese just laughs. Yeah, yeah, okay, fine. That's cool. And then one more thing. Leave my boy alone to train for the tournament. And Kreese kind of laughs like, you got some balls, man. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so... You got it. (laughs) Just because you're such a ballsy little old man. Let's do it. One of the best things about this movie, and a scene I've watched on YouTube many times, is when you find out why Daniel's been doing the waxing and the sanding and the painting and the muscle memory thing. Aside from all Miyagi needing chores done. No, just the penultimate part. (laughs) Not penultimate, it's not the wrong word. But when it actually comes about, it's, come here! 
show me paint fence and all this stuff and you find out as Daniel does that's why he had to do that that way not only do these chores big suckle and then up and down all the way kind of thing with yeah, the painting you, of the fence use your left hand side to side and right. for half the time and your right hand side to side when you're painting and I almost know these movies so well I've seen it many times so it's not like it's a surprise but I think the first time I saw the movie I would have been the same boat as Daniel which is wait a second so that's why I was doing all this it's a nice little it's my favorite scene in the movie yeah it's, it's great no no my second favorite scene. My favorite scene is when Miyagi gives him the cars. Not so much that part. That's fine. And the birthday stuff. But when he gives him the car. By the way, did you notice that the dog tags are on the keys and the ignition of that yellow car? I guess he knew that Daniel would pick that one. Or maybe he had enough dog tags for all the cars. But anyway, when he's, <laughs> Daniel says, you're the best friend I ever had. you pretty okay too. Very minor salty discharge there. Yeah, very emotional it moment. It was very really sweet. sweet. And the reason it was so sweet is because of what you mentioned earlier, is the implication throughout the movie, based on what you learn about Miyagi's backstory and his initial interactions with Daniel, too, where he's very standoffish, right? He doesn't warm up to him for the first couple of interactions. First, he has to learn that he's being bullied and that he's trying karate himself, and then, as it becomes more apparent that Daniel is in some trouble, then Miyagi steps in, and then they form the bond. So the implication is that he's been very much a loner for at least as long as he's been living where he is now. He being Miyagi. He being Miyagi, yeah, thank okay. you. Yeah. So when they have that moment of you're the best friend I've ever had and it's clear that Miyagi feels the same way about Daniel, you're right, it's touching. I discharged not at all at that point, Ryan. I'm sorry you don't to discharge say. much, though. I don't discharge much, generally. No. I didn't actually cry, but I was... But it was a very touching moment. Well done. And it was well done. For all of his questionable accent work in this movie, Pat Morita really did a fantastic job oh, yeah. about conveying the emotion of things in a really subtle way. Worthy of that nomination for the Oscar. Yeah, there's no question. And he question. lost it to a fellow Asian, Hang Nyor, I can't say the name right, for The Killing Fields, which is about the Cambodian oh, okay. stuff. okay. Also a great movie. Not a common thing either that non-white people are nominated for Oscars, especially back then, and two guys in the same category. Morita would have been a fair choice too. He'd done things like Happy Days where he's funny, and he's funny in this movie lots of times, but he also has those deadly serious moments. He had to fight for the role. He wasn't the obvious choice for it. Tashira Mafune, who was in a lot of those Kurosawa movies. Have you ever seen a Kurosawa movie? Seven Samurai, Rashomon, and those kinds of films? One, I think, maybe. Well, he was the guy that was always the star of them, or almost always the star of them, Tashira Mafune. And he was, I guess, in line for it. But I think they thought the language would be an issue because he didn't speak English very well at all. And Marita spoke regular English. When you see interviews with him, he sounds like just oh, yeah. a boring old American person who's putting on a Japanese accent. That's right. And I guess at this point, he probably would have been best known for Happy Days. Happy Days, is that right? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it would have been a comedic kind of... He was Arnold. That's why the diner is called Arnold. Yeah, so I mean, for a role that really requires a lot of serious work and some quiet emotion and things like that, I, mean, I can understand that people would be skeptical that this guy that's just coming off of an extended run on on a sitcom would be able to pull it off. The very last shot is of his face, this proud moment yep. where it's Mr. Miyagi, we did it, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He is as stoic and staid as they come, but you can really see in the expression on his face and his eyes that he is proud and joyful in that moment, even though he's not jumping up and down, he's not yelling, he's no. not celebrating. The pride actually came from Daniel doing well in the first place, as he even says, no matter. He actually is glad the kid won. And the third movie, when Daniel goes back to defend his title and does win against an even worse bully than anything we see in this movie, also never a good actor who plays the guy he fights. Okay. At the very end of the film, Daniel goes back to him and does the bow thing, you know, being proper, and then, forget about it, and hugs him. <laughs> so it pays off that he actually hugs him in the last movie. I think the last time they ever worked together. Because Marita was in Next Karate Kid, I think, with Hilary Swank, but... Never seen it, I can't no, say. No, Ralph Macchio, though. Macchio. Macchio. I heard somewhere it's supposed to be Ralph Macchio, by the way. Some film critic said, he doesn't know how to pronounce his own name. That's his problem, not mine. Uh, you know why. It's Ralph Macchio. In Italian, the CC, C's in succession like that, because yeah. his name is what, M-A-C-C-H-I-O, yep. right? Mm-hmm. That is a hard C sound. It's a K. It's not a ch. Oh, okay. So I can see how somebody would say that, but come on, man. Like Your name is pronounced the way you say it's well, pronounced. True, I don't yes. care how it's spelled. If Ralph Macchio wants to call it Ralph Macchio, some critic can suck it at that point. So I mentioned that Miyagi has a lot of great lines that I really appreciate in this movie. And one of those things is there's a bit of a, a repetitive theme of him doing things for the first time. First time you, first time me. Exactly, yeah. When so, he chops the bottles off the car. Well, yeah, chops the bottles and how'd you do that? But don't know. First time. <laughs> and he goes, shows up to the tournament and Daniel says, so what are the rules for this thing? And Mihaki says, don't know. First time you, first time me. <laughs> oh, thanks. Okay, my ass kicked. <laughs> so yes, I, you probably should. I just love that because Miyagi is supposed to be the sensei. He's supposed to be the father figure. He's supposed to be the learned one. And in many respects, he is. Daniel is following him dutifully through a lot of these things, trusting that he knows what he's doing. And it comes out more than once he's winging it he's winging it it's great because it's true of so many people so often but you don't see it a lot in movies where the father figure and, and the sensei character admits to that kind of ignorance yeah. so for him to go well, I don't know 
I guess we'll find out. For that to be his response, I thought was hilarious. That's also one of the reasons why I cracked and what culture talking about Daniel being the bad guy because he doesn't even respect the tournament because he doesn't know the rules. He can blame Mr. Miyagi for not knowing that, but maybe he could have studied that in the weeks before the tournament happened. He's got about a month and a half there. You're right, actually. He doesn't take a lot of initiative, does he? He just sort of shows up and like, hey, let's do this thing, mm-hmm. I guess. But when all else fails, kick your bully in the face. Probably the most famous shot in this movie is when he does that, and what a great sell job by William Zabka, who is Johnny. Yeah. It, it was, looks like he kicks him right in the face. It was actually a really good fight scene. I didn't love a lot of the fights that involved Ralph Macchio leading up to that final bout. I thought he looked a little bit goofy. And at one point, I think during his training, Mr. Miyagi tells him, you're too busy, stop dancing. Yeah. But then he gets to the tournament, and every fight he's in, he holds his hands up in a really odd position, quite frankly, and his feet never stop moving. Doesn't look very balanced. He's dancing. He doesn't look balanced. This movie's about balance. In exactly. The so all of his fight scenes, even though he wins, they aren't great. But then he gets to the final fight with Johnny, and obviously he's one-legged, and he's hurt after Bobby cripples him. But Johnny does a great job, William Zabka, of really selling the ferocity of the Cobra Kai oh, kind yeah. of methodology. And he's stomping, he's elbowing, and he's just barely missing. So for that to lead up to this final moment where he's face-to-face, Daniel and Johnny are face-to-face, I should say, and... He assumes the crane position, and that is... Da-da-da. Yeah. Da-da-da. Da-da-da. Wham! Yeah. Point! Wada! Da-da-da! It's fantastic. And I don't know about you, but I can remember still being a six, seven, eight-year-old kid. Now, this movie would have come out when I was, what, three? Eighty-four, right? Is when this two. Movie... You were only two when this came out. Eighty-four, though, right? Yeah, you were born in 80... Wait, 81. Born... 81. I was thinking you were born in 82. No. Bad at math again. Man, you're really aging me before my time. <laughs> so you were three, then. I'm aging myself. And I was 10. I didn't see this until it was on videotape, though. I wouldn't have seen it for some years later. But between this and its popularity and the subsequent sequels, that visual of the crane kick of Daniel standing up there waiting for Johnny to approach so he can smack him in the nose. I remember going out to the playground with my buddies, again, like six, seven, eight years old. And we would just do that with one another. Really? Well, not actually actually kick each other in the face. We were too much of little wusses for that. But we would all sort of stand up one at a time pretending to be Daniel. Could anyone get close enough to actually kick that high? I could never get that high with my leg. No, none of us could get... None of us are that flexible. But just assuming that one-legged posture and... and, Yeah! Right? Even if I couldn't remember a detail from this movie, I remember that one visual, that one standoff scene. I mean, from that perspective, it's great. It's got that lasting impact. The irrational ending, just like in Rocky 2, not Rocky 1, where the underdog, who has no business even being with this much better champion, as it turns out, Johnny's won multiple tournaments, yeah. and somehow the underdog wins, which Americans love the underdog movies and underdog stories, Yeah, that's but true. they often are not very realistic. Well, Mighty Ducks was an underdog story, too. And oh. so was Tin Cup, even though he didn't win. With sports movies, it'll be a repeating theme almost as always. we talk through. Almost mm-hmm. always. In this case, I can see it more, like we've talked about this a little bit in our past episodes, I like that ending with Rocky. I think it's more... Where he pop- loses. Rocky 2, sorry. Oh, where where he, he wins. I, I like the ending of Rocky 2, uh, Rocky as well, the first Rocky. Yeah. So I like both endings. And in boxing, I can see it as being more possible, if not probable, that he would upset the champion in that way. Okay. Because it does happen, and it has, very often. Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson. Yeah, so it's possible, and I don't mind in that context. In this movie, it might be, if anything, more improbable that Johnny, the guy that's only been practicing karate for a number of weeks or months, if you count... You mean Daniel, you said Johnny. Sorry, I meant Daniel, yeah. Mm. Would upset Johnny, who is proclaimed at the beginning of the tournament as a two-time defending champion, and has been doing it for as long as we know, right, Mm -hmm. his entire life. So it doesn't make sense from that perspective, but I think the movie had to have Daniel win because the implication is if he doesn't win, if he doesn't earn the respect, if he doesn't fend them off somehow, and maybe he would still earn the respect finishing second with a broken leg, I don't know. I mean, the implication there is that these guys are going to keep coming after him. They'll never have balance. So he might never have peace if he can't defeat them once So if you're right, if that's the correct interpretation, and of course the movie certainly is saying that, then Miyagi's dead wrong because Miyagi even says when they're in the trainer's room after the kick where his leg is messed up, no need fight anymore. You prove point. Which is saying, this can end right now and that's good enough. But what you're saying is that no, it can't end at that point. I don't think it can. Flashback to the scene where Miyagi confronts Chris in his dojo. If you don't show up for the tournament, you're dead meat. You're fair game. Miyagi's fair game, which is also an interesting comment to make. We're going to come after you and beat the loving snot out of you. That's an assault. That's an assault. That's a crime. Broadcasting it. Yeah, nonetheless, they did show up for the tournament, clearly. Kreese obviously had Daniel injured on purpose. Mm -hmm. I was left with the sense that if he did bow out, if he said, I can't continue, I'm hurt, that Johnny would just continue to torment him with or without Kreese's direction. And all it takes is getting kicked in the face to be, you're all right, LaRusso. Thanks a lot. (laughs) You know what, kid? You kicked me in the face. You're okay. (laughs) Ryan, if you ever kick me in the face... I'm not okay. You're not okay, yeah. (laughs) What did you feel about that as a movie ending? 
We talked. Oh, about... I love it, but I just don't really fully buy it. It's like Rocky Two. I've talked about it lots of times, even in our episodes, let alone the ones with Bev, that I enjoy it immensely. But as I've gotten older, I find it to be a bit of a crock. Both Rocky Two and Karate Kid. But what about the way it plays out? Oh, it's great drama. It's really well done. I really enjoy. It. We didn't actually say that in the beginning of the podcast. I'm a big thumb up on this movie, despite all the things I've said about it that might be mocking it. I assume you are too. Yeah, I like it a lot. But I like it, I think, more because of the Mr. Miyagi character than anything else. Macho's good too. He's good. I just find him, for some of the reasons we already talked about at some length, I just find him not appealing enough. Either I don't understand enough about what his character is going through or because he's a bit of a dick a lot of the time Mm. to root too much for him. You do root for him at the end of the movie, one way or the other, just because Kreese is such a dirtbag. You want him to win just because he's been ordered to... Oh, Kreese has ordered his underlings to injure the guy. Fuck you, Kreese. Mm. But at the end of it all, I don't really root so much for Daniel. I root for Miyagi. That scene of Miyagi looking proud and happy at the victory is great. But it's so bloody abrupt. He kicks Johnny in the face... You hear what I'm sure is also a dubbed over line because it sounds kind of like wonky and out of place. Like, you're all right, Daniel, you're all right. You flash to Daniel holding a trophy. You flash to Pat Morita's face really quickly. And then credits. Credits. I was expecting at least a minute or two of let's drink in the moment. Let's understand what this means for Daniel. Let's at least see a shot of Crease going, you foiled me again, Daniel. They do that in three. People are throwing shirts down and one lands on him. He throws it down as if to say, I can't be this fucking kid. I have a problem with the movie ending that way. I think it... Actually, smart. The story's over. You've achieved everything. He's already got Ali. See, the arc's already done except for the bullying stuff. He and Miyagi have been friends for a while, and then the whole, you're the best friend I ever had, you're pretty okay too. The real love story, again, like in Tin Cup, is between two males, not between a man and a woman. Yeah. But that arc is done. The Ali arc is done. Well, it doesn't last long term in the series, but at that point in this movie, it's certainly done. There's no arc with his mother to complete. They're fine, I guess. But once you finish off the fighting and then the bad guy becomes a good guy at the very last second by saying you're okay, the movie should end. And it does. A lot of movies drag it on way too long. I never had a problem with Lord of the Rings going on, the third one, the way it did, because you had to wrap up a lot of characters and a lot of stories. But you didn't need that in this movie. No, you didn't. I guess I would have liked a moment or two to savor the victory, perhaps, because it was just so fast that it cuts the credit. I was reading that the beginning of two, which picks up where this ends, they're in the parking lot and... Daniel's limping because his legs still hurt and that's when like I said a few times in this podcast you see Kreese assaulting Johnny that was supposed to be in this movie and that was going to be the payoff where Miyagi doesn't actually do anything to him but Kreese hurts himself by punching windows and then Miyagi grabs him and he's going to just blast his face and instead tweaks his nose Honk. so that would have been I guess the way the movie would actually end that might have given you the payoff with those two and also a little bit more of a I think it would have relaxation where you want to like go into the anyway. I think the movie ends the way it's supposed to. I don't really buy it, but if it's going to be this way, then I think it's great the way it ends. No, that's pretty good. I guess I just want a little bit more before and I want a little bit more after Mm. the overall arc, and I think it would be a great movie. It's funny too that three people from this movie, well, two especially, Machio and Zabka, were typecast. Machio's done other things, he was in My Cousin Benny, but do you really think of him doing anything other than this? And Billy Zabka, again in Cobra Kai now, but I don't know what else he's done that anyone could ever identify. And in a good way, Mr. Miyagi, Pat Morita, was typecast. His name actually is Nuriyuki. I think I said that right. Pat yeah. is the nickname, Morita. Yeah, and it shows up in the opening credits as mm-hmm. Nuriyuki, you know, in quotes, Elizabeth, Sh- Elizabeth Shue is the most accomplished actress. Leaving Las Vegas. You ever see that movie? What yeah. a difference from this one. Whoa, she's great in that, along with Cage. And it is interesting how they got typecast based on this role. But you're right, I don't think of either one of those actors as anything but the roles they play here, right. particularly Ralph Macchio. And I think it's very telling that they've both come back to this YouTube series that you talked about, Cobra Kai, now. Not just Zabka, but Machio as well. Mm -hmm. They're both in it, and there's a reason for that. When it's your typecast, it's not always easy to to get work. I'm sure they paid them handsomely as well. And I hear good things. YouTube Red, I don't even know what the hell that even is. You just go to YouTube and click Red somewhere? I don't even know. I guess I should look it's that up. It's a premium up, but... service. you got to pay for it. Well, there you go. I'm not paying for it. So if it's ever free, I'm going to train. Netflix needs to pay I like Karate Kid, but, but not, not that enough much. to pay for it. <laughs> By the way, we talked about Marita getting nominated for the Best Supporting Actor. That's all this movie got. It was also nominated in the AFI, the sports category, the top 100 genres, which is appropriate for what we're doing, among other nominations, but that was one of the big ones. And it made the top 100 cheers list, the most inspiring. It was 98th, which makes sense. I would have thought maybe be in the 50s or 60s. I'm actually surprised it's that low. That kick to the face would be cheer-inspiring. Bev and I talked a lot about the AFI list when we did the original project, and we still do now. But we both pointed out a few times that even though we've argued about this movie should be number 1 or 10 or 22 rather than wherever it was... If it's on the list at all, it's going to be acknowledged, and I guess that's really the oh, point. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. So 98th means it was actually there, and that's good enough, really. Yeah. All right, well, last thoughts on Karate Kid? Well, like we talked about with Mighty Ducks, I'm just waiting for 
Well, maybe I shouldn't wait that long, though, because I guess that remake just happened very recently. But this movie, as a gritty modern remake, I think would be very interesting, right? Because that tournament at the end of it, we don't know the rules exactly. But there's an implication that you're supposed to hold back. You're not supposed to injure. There's certain body parts that you're not supposed to strike, right? And that's why Bobby gets disqualified because he goes after the knee. Not because Daniel's hurt. It's because he went after the knee. That's what they say when he disqualifies yeah. him. Well, and by the way, Ali explains the rules to Daniel when Miyagi doesn't know them. She says if you hit him in the chest or the head or all these other places, you get points. Daniel gets hit in the head in the last match with Johnny, and yet he doesn't get a point for it. Johnny there, doesn't get a point for it. There are a lot of moments in that last match where they're saying, I think it's before the next point wins because that's the crane kick moment. But there are a lot of points when Johnny is just beating the hell out of Ralph Macchio. Daniel is rolling around on the ground. There's elbows flying. There's clearly punches being landed. But no points Well, being when given. he's hitting him with the elbows or trying to, and Daniel's rolling, he doesn't actually get to him until the last one. He does get a point for that. No, he does. Yeah. Okay. So Johnny's trying to hit him with the elbow, but is not succeeding. He's uh. trying to kick him, but when he actually makes contact, he does get a point for that. All right, so anyway, I'm a big fan of the movie. I'm glad we got to watch it so early on in scoring the movie's episodes. I don't know if we'll do karate again necessarily as a sport, but we definitely have to do things like poker, which is not a sport at all, or maybe even car racing. Well, car racing is definitely a sport. There's a lot of movies about that topic. Too. Yeah. Talladega Nights, Talladega maybe, Nights. later this summer. Shake and bake, baby. Shake yeah. and bake. When Scoring the Movies returns in two weeks, we're going to cover our first baseball movie, and it's on YouTube. Let's hope it stays there long enough for us <laughs> to actually watch it. Angels on the Outfield. Again, another movie that's had a remake. Karate Kid had a remake. This one is, is a remake of yep. our previous one. We're watching the one with Christopher Lloyd and... Uh, uh, Glover. Danny Glover, Danny of course. Glover. And, and I can't think of his name right now. What is his name? Third Rock from the Sun. Right. Jesus. Uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah, there he is. He's the main character, of course. And Christopher Nolan connection. What's that? Dark Knight Rises. Why is that? Joseph oh, Gordon. Oh, I think it was Gordon Levitt. The actor himself. The actor. Yeah, okay. uh, there's some kind of story. I'm just saying yeah. it's almost inevitable that at some point during that discussion on Angels in the Outfield. There will be Batman impressions done. Is all I'm we saying. We haven't done right? one since the first week. I thought maybe we do it every I'm week. I'm trying to restrain myself. I was very tempted, don't get me wrong, to do a little bit you of... Good. Who's stopping you? I want it to be special. I want it to be meaningful. It's our thing. Our audience may not care about this at all. Yeah, fair enough. So anyway, Angels in the Outfield in two weeks. That'll be mid-July. In the meantime, I hope you enjoyed Canada Day and Independence Day and all the holidays that are happening this week. Try not to get kicked in the face at the beach or anything like that. By anyone, especially yeah. by someone littler than you in this case. By the way, find me on Twitter at MovieFiend51. Chris is not on Twitter, as we've said before. You can also email me, Podcast at gmail.com. Friends can find me on Facebook. And you can also find us on... That's it, I guess. Anyway. I'm sure there's other <laughs> Just places. yell and maybe we'll hear you. You live in New <laughs> Jersey or something. <laughs> Come talk to us about movies. Okay, we're out of here then. Talk to you next time, Chris. Now, let's Bonsai! Go have <laughs> Bonsai, daniel Bonsai! chris son. Banzai! Banzai! I have to throw in one bad Japanese accent in there, right? We didn't do that many of them, did we? No. We I don't think we hit the 70% quota. Maybe 20. No. All right. And cut.